And you can have a seat as you're telling somebody next to you, they look marvelous today. Amen. Well, JC, Pastor John, and Pastor Linnell out of town today. And we have got a guest speaker who's in for a conference this week. There's a Church on Rock Pastors Conference here the next two days. And we got some other special guests, Sonny and Susan Knatzer. Would you stand up and just welcome the people there? And, uh, and I'm telling you, we've got a great preacher in our midst today going to preach about prayer. But that man right there can preach about prayer. Yeah. And uh, that thing's for sure. But we got Jay Threadgill with us. This is from the nation of Haiti. And he has been there over 30 years. Come on, give it up for Jay. Amen. Some of you know him. Excited. Know what's up. But this is an apostle. That means this is somebody who birthed churches. He helps oversee our church here, and he's a great, uh, you know, friend of Pastor John's and spiritual advisor and, and uh, prays over our church and, and helps in any areas there. But literally in Haiti, and he'll tell you the story, but there have been many churches birthed, not just in Haiti, but all over the world, literally, from people that have come through Haiti in their Bible school. So I'm going to turn it right over to him. Let him get with us. I promise he's going to stir you up today, and it's going to be good. Amen? Love you, friend. Good morning. Everybody ready this morning? It's always a pleasure and a joy for us to come to Texarkana. You know, they, we, my wife and I look at Texarkana as our second home. And uh, we're very close to your pastors. Uh, matter of fact, my wife calls Pastor Linnell her pastor. And uh, they're very close and friends. But uh, if she needs counsel, if she needs prayer, if she needs even correction, Pastor Linnell is the designated soldier. Praise God, and they, they do wonderful together, and we're so blessed. But Pastor John, now, I don't know if you know, and I bet they might be watching the load upload today, but today is Pastor Linnell's birthday. And so let's do this. I don't know where the camera's coming from, but on three, we're going to blow a kiss to Pastor Linnell. You ready? One, two, three. Mwah! Happy birthday, Linnell. Come on, give it up for Pastor Linnell. Yeah. Praise God. It is an honor and a privilege to be here. Good to see Pastor Sonny and his wife, and uh, looking forward to a great couple, three days together. It's a man of God. He came down to Haiti with me and, and ministered, and I'm so honored and blessed by him and his anointing and his gifting. And uh, really, it's not Pastor Sonny anymore. It's Bishop. And so, and that's not, uh, you're gonna, if you're going to go run around and call me an apostle, he's a bishop. Amen. And, uh, which basically means an overseer of many ministries. And uh, that's what he is as he directs the affairs of Church on the Rock Ministry Fellowship. Is that right? Church Network of Ministers. Thank you. I, I get messed up with that kind of stuff. You all know. So anyhow, praise the Lord. Uh, I'm also honored that Pastor John trusts me to take his pulpit and him not be here. And so uh, I'm just blessed to be here for him. Um, my wife sends her love. Uh, this is probably the worst week possible for her to be here. Uh, this week is what we call teacher in service, where the teachers gather the week before school starts. And, of course, she's the director of uh, Morningstar Christian Academy, which is an English-speaking school, very recognized in Haiti, double accredited here in the United States, um, very uh, well-recognized school both here in the United States and in Haiti. And so she, her workload is pretty busy right now. But she sends her love, and she sends her kisses. She loves coming. She was here for the women's conference not long ago and loves to be here any chance she gets. And uh, trust me, if she could have been here, she'd have beat me here on an airplane. 
So uh, that, that's the way that, but she sends her love. Keep her in her prayer. She's really been battle uh, nerve pain and neuropathia. Um, we believe in God for a miracle simply because I got three different doctors that can't agree. So all that tells me is that's confusion. And all that tells me is confusion has only but one source, and that's the devil. And so we're standing and believing God, and we try to follow some of their uh, ideas, but we're believing God for the miracle. And if, you, if she comes to mind, please pray for her, okay? And, uh, but uh, we're going to get the victory, so that'll be our te- that is our testimony in Jesus' name. Um, good news is, in all, at the end of August, the last week of this month, it's our 30th anniversary at the Church on the Rock in Port-au-Prince. And so we've got a big wing-ding getting ready to start up down there with leadership conference, revival services, and, of course, anniversary service. 30 years, that's a lifetime. And, uh, but it's been good. Uh, 32 years ago, God spoke to my heart and then to Linda's heart that we are to go to Haiti and take a nation. Now, that's pretty strong words. Now, and there are some great ministries there, and I don't want to propose that we're the only one doing anything in the nation of Haiti. But uh, that was the vernacular he used to drive me. And uh, so about 32 years ago, there was no Internet. There wasn't no cell phones. Matter of fact, there wasn't too many landlines in Haiti. But uh, I had to go to the encyclopedia to learn about it. And, uh, and if you look at the global map in an encyclopedia, it's only about that big. And I thought, this is a piece of cake. When are we going to do something serious? And, but no, nobody mentioned to me that it was the devil's seat of voodoo in the whole Caribbean. Nobody mentioned to me that it was dedicated to Satan 200 years ago. And, uh, but since then, God, through us and others, have brought great redemption to that land. And really, there's a move of God in that nation. And so we appreciate that so much. I, when, I, when he sent me to take a nation, as I said, I had no idea what he meant. There was no apostolic understanding in the 80s. There wasn't even a kingdom message yet in the early 80s. And so we were just church planters. That's what they called us. And uh, so we, we didn't care. We were just going to do what God said. And so we went, and, and I thought, well, it's this small little nation down there in the middle of nowhere. We'll just cover it with leadership conferences and evangelistic crusades in two-year time. We'll get it done and go on to bigger things. That was 32 years ago, 31 years ago. And so uh, we're still there, and we're still taking the nation. Uh, but we began to, as we grew, began to be able to look backwards and see what God meant, and it really wasn't us taking the nation, it was the fruit that we brought forth taking a nation. And so in our Bible school, we did the crusades, we did the conferences, and we realized pastors were full of zeal and full of passion for Jesus, but they had very limited knowledge of the Word, so we started a Bible school. And then from the Bible school, we birthed the church, six people in my living room. And from six people, we average about six to 7,000 in attendance weekly. Easter services are 10 Christmas is 10, but those are the C&E guys. You know those guys. And, but we love them and take them anytime we can get them, praise God. And so we just preach away at them when we got them. I always ask them on Christmas and Easter, where y'all been? You know, but uh, they just kind of frown at you, you know, but it's okay. Um, so out of the Bible school, we've literally now graduated thousands, thousands with a four-year degree of theology now those ministers have gone and birthed churches not only all over Haiti, all over Florida, all over the United States, all over Canada, in the Dominican Republic, in Martinique, in Guadeloupe. And so literally Haiti is touching the nations of the world. A small little old nation that didn't have any future and now God's raising them up. And so now looking back in hindsight, we can see what he meant. 
He said, through us, our fruit would take, take part in taking a nation. And uh, a lot of it was based on prayer. Now, I know your pastor has been in a theme of prayer, and he kind of asked me to stay within that theme. And so I'm going to combine two things. I'm going to combine an understanding of your position and prayer. Because what you got to have an understanding of is is when when you have an understanding of your position, it's easier to pray. It's more powerful to pray. And so we also know that there's an enemy against prayer. His name's Satan. All right, but he, he as, as eventually you get to a point he's not that big a deal. Our big, my biggest deal is not Satan. My biggest enemy is myself, and and you'll understand what that means one day. But uh, because really it's me, and whether I'm walking in faith or walking in fear, walking in faith or walking in doubt. If I'm walking in doubt, I am my biggest enemy. If I'm walking in faith, I I, I have the strength to get the victory. Somebody say Amen. And so Paul told us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. And uh, that is our battleground. You know, I, I often say to people that uh, want to uh, dialogue politics on, on social media, don't waste your time. It's not the politics and the people that don't agree with you as your enemy. It's the people, it's the devil that's your enemy. The Bible says that a house divided against itself cannot stand, and I think we need to be very concerned about our nation right now because this is one divided nation. This is the most divided I've seen this nation in my life, and I passed through the 60s when it was a mess. So you have to understand some. This is the most divided I've ever seen our nation, and the only thing that can bring it back is God and a move of God. And uh, as you recently saw maybe in early July, we had great violence down in Haiti. And uh, it broke my heart because it dropped us back several years in, in advancing the kingdom. And when I got back to Haiti, I said, you know, if Satan had that much of a window to come in and attack our land, all that tells me is the church is not doing its job. I can reflect the same way for the United States. If we've got this much division in our nation, all that is telling me is the church is not doing its job. And the job of the church is to intercede for your nation, to intercede for your uh, city, to intercede for your family, to intercede for that which you, God's given you a sphere of influence. That's our job. And we got to pray. And that's why pastor's on this prayer theme. And that's why I'm going to add to it today. Now, I mean, somebody say amen. Now, just because I say we're not doing our job doesn't mean we can't restart. And now here's the deal. Don't look at me mean and mad because everybody know I'm preaching at you. If, if you. if you're in that, if you're mean and mad at me, go ahead and shout amen. Nobody know I'm preaching at you. When you sit there like that, I say, hey, you're preaching at him, ain't he? Uh-huh. Amen. All right. What I want you to understand is faith and prayer conquers darkness. Faith and prayer conquers darkness. Darkness cannot stand in the light of faith and prayer. Darkness cannot remain in the light of God. And what generates and releases the presence of God is faith and prayer. Somebody say amen. Boy, you're awful quiet bunch. You see, I come from a church that shouts and claps and does all kind of crazy stuff. And you're all looking at me funny now. I'm going to get you shouting and clapping here in a second. James tells us that God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Submit to God and and, and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Humble yourself, and God will lift you up. The greatest expression of submission and humility is prayer. Why is that? Because you're bowing a knee and you're saying to God, I can't do this by myself. 
and I need you. I need your presence. I submit myself to you. The bowing of the knee is a form or expression of submission to his lordship. Every one of us need to discipline our life to pray daily. I I formed a prayer meeting at 6 a.m., 1988. You know why I formed that prayer meeting? Not to get the move of prayer that that we experience, but to discipline my own life as a minister to pray every day. Here I am, a minister, but I realized I'm not praying every day. I got to do something to make me pray every day. Now I can't go without it. It's like I'm, it's like I'm a drug addict to prayer. I mean, if I miss a day, I'm trembling. I got to go get in my office, stop, shut the door, put a sign out, don't knock, and just start praying, praise God. You see, when we walk out of the house and we haven't said hi to God or hello, what we're telling God is I really don't need you today. Even though you've got a spirit that loves God and and you're Christian, I get all that. But when you walk out of your house, and don't tell me you're too busy, that one won't fly nowhere. But when you walk out of your house and you hadn't even took two or three minutes and said, hello to God, I love you, I need you today, please lead and guide me throughout this day, order my steps, order my words, order my, my thoughts. If you can't even do that, what you're doing is walking out of your house and saying, I really don't need you, I got this. Okie dokie then, I've been there and done that, bought that t-shirt and threw it away. All right, it's not that I'm preaching down on you, I'm usually preaching right at myself. Can you say amen? Amen, all right, we're going to get you there. Hallelujah, so prayer is the greatest form of humility and submission. Prayer is the greatest form. And God says, if you'll humble yourself, I'll lift you up. Paul tells us to fight the good fight of faith. Hallelujah. And we fight that good fight of faith in the dimension of prayer. Faith is a a process. I can assure you I have greater dimension of faith today than I had 33 years ago. But it's a process. God said in the the scriptures in Romans that when we got saved, he gave every one of us a measure of faith. I believe he gave every one of us the same measure, but we've got to build our faith through the process. Faith is built because you, or, well, scripturally says, faith cometh by hearing and by hearing the word of God or by receiving the word of the Lord, either through the written word, the study of the word, and or his spoken word to your heart. That's how faith, now prayer without faith is, is not too good. Prayer has to have faith. Just because you've got a crisis, that crisis does not move God. Just because you cry tears, the tears touch God, but tears do not move God. What moves God is faith. That's what moves God. Miracles manifest because somebody's praying by faith. I, don't, I imagine God sovereign can produce a miracle by accident, but I don't quite see that too often. I see somebody interceding, somebody reaching out, somebody reaching through prayer, touching the hem of his garment. And that's where miracles manifest. And I suspect that all of us sitting here could use a miracle. I could use a miracle every day of my life, praise God. And so I believe him for it. But to understand faith, you've got to understand your position in Christ. And to pray from this position that I'm going to explain to you today will bring greater greater results from prayer than you've ever experienced before. And I'm going to start in the book of Ephesians from the prayer of Paul, chapter 1, verse 16. Prayer, hallelujah, 
Forgot that video again. We'll do it at the end. Pray. A prayer that is written in the Bible is a good prayer. Matter of fact, if there's a prayer written in the Bible, go ahead and use it. I pray the prayer of Paul just out of my spirit now all the time. I pray it for my family. I pray it for my congregation. I pray it for our ministry. I pray it for our finances. I pray it for every possibility. When God puts a prayer in the Bible, that's a good prayer. Now, here's the deal. Paul penned the prayer in the Scriptures by the Holy Spirit. All Scripture is written directly by the Holy Spirit. So that tells me this is not only just a prayer of Paul, this is a prayer of God, that God actually has a prayer. Now, he doesn't have to pray to himself, but I would say it's God's desire, his desire for you and me. Ephesians 1, verse 16, Paul, and I'm coming out of the New King James. I know all those other different uh, types of Bibles. I just can't flow in them. I just stay old school, okay? Yeah, I used to do King James forever. But every time I used a scripture in Thessalonians that said, it's chew evil and superfluity of naughtiness, everybody would look at me funny, which basically just means don't sin. Hello? (laughs) But anyhow, here we go. 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Stop. Here Paul begins by saying, I want God to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, wisdom is very important. I pray for wisdom daily. I got to lead this ministry that is far bigger than me in some kind of divine direction, and I need God's wisdom. I can't do it. I'm not that good. I can't do it on my own. I can't. It's impossible. And so I need God's intervention. I need God's presence. I need God's guidance, and I need his wisdom. Now, wisdom is a good thing to ask for. Solomon, as he was a young man, took the reins of, of, of being king over the nation of Israel at a very young man from his father, King David. And the, And he was in prayer, and God said, ask what you will, and I'll give it to you. And Solomon was smart. I mean, he said, I need wisdom. I got this whole nation I got to direct the affairs for. I'm just a young man. I need your wisdom. And God said, not only did you not ask for houses and money and all that other stuff, you asked for wisdom. I'm going to give you wisdom, and on top of that, because you didn't ask for it, I'm going to give you all the other stuff too. One of the greatest sins in Christianity or maybe error, error, sin, same difference. Now, we're talking about the other churches so you can help them. One of the greatest errors in Christianity is we pray selfishly. God don't need our grocery list. He already knows what we need. He's looking for vessels that will pray for his business. You see, it's really not about us. It's all about him. It's really not about us. It's about his plan in the earth. But when we do and take care of his business, he just sovereignly takes care of our business. I found that to be true over 35 years of ministry. I love to pray for nations. I love to pray for governments. I love to pray for cities. I love to pray for congregations. I love to pray for the saints. I love to pray for salvations. I love to pray for divine miracles and deliverances for people. I love to pray for the anointing and presence of God in a meeting. I love to pray for these things that God is interested in. And then somehow in the midst of it all, God kind of takes care of me. Now, every now and then I tell him at the end of, I don't ever start with the grocery list. Every now and then I say, now, God, you know, I really need some help with such and such and such and such. 
I learned something a long time ago. The ministry's his. Sometimes I feel the burden of it. Paul felt the burden of it. He said, the, the burden of the church, church is way upon me. So when the ministry's looking kind of bleak, you know what I do? I get in my chair. I got a chair. You got a chair? All men should have a chair. I got a chair. I sit down in my chair. And this is usually about 3 in the morning when I can't sleep anymore because I'm panicking. Man of faith and power. And I'll sit down in that chair and I'll say, God, your ministry's got a lot of problems. You need to really fix it because I can't. Then I go take a nap, go to bed because it's his. It's not just the ministry, it's our lives. Our lives belong to him. Our families really belong to him. Now, as husbands and wives, we've got responsibilities, but everything belongs to him. And you just go ahead and cast your cares to him and let him deal it out. Somebody say amen. That's wisdom. Now, and then he says, I want you to have revelation and the knowledge of him. Now, I don't think here he's speaking necessarily a theological knowledge. I'm sure there are many theologians sitting here today, and you have great knowledge of the Scripture and the Word, and that's a good thing. We need to have a strong foundation in the Word. But I think what he's talking about is knowing him, knowing him, having a relationship, a spirit of wisdom, and knowing him. That's the prayer of God. He wants you to know him. I've used this uh, analogy often in, our, in my messages, but my, my, my wife and I have been married 42 years. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I have a large sanctuary, seats about 3,500 on the floor and about 800, 900 in the balcony, but she could be in that back corner in the middle of a worship service and holler my name and I'll hear her voice. Why? Because for 42 years we've had relationship. And you know what I say? Yes, love. She the big boss. Love everyone. Oh, that's Creole. And the peace of God be with you. She the big boss. I let her be. She can be. It's okay by me. But I hear her voice because I've developed a relationship over 42 years. It's not hard for me to distinguish her voice amongst all the other voices. Same with God. As you get to know him, as you come into relationship, and it grows deeper and deeper, year by year, moment by moment, you begin to recognize his voice, even though there's a lot of clatter of voices in the, of the enemy all over the place. You begin to hear him, and you go, yes, Lord. Speak, Lord. Now, there are times that it's very difficult to hear God. We all have experienced those times. You're like, where are you, God. God gave me an analogy years ago. I still use it often. And he says, when you're in the exam, the professor never speaks. Sometimes God's letting us walk through a test, and he's not going to talk about it. He wants to see what your grade's going to be on the other side. And when, when he's not talking, that's when I've learned to just walk it out by faith. Just take what you know and keep going. Don't stop, don't give up. Here's the, one of the, here's the one thing I've said in the other services. One of my greatest attributes to any type of success, and there's not many that I have, this is the one, is I refuse to give up. I've seen everything come against me. I've been down to where the ministry bank accounts had less than $25 in them, and I just stand there, and I refuse to give up because God has called us. Don't you ever give up. You be in the battle, don't you ever give up. 
Let me tell you something else. God did not form you and create you for defeat. There is no defeat in Jesus, and Jesus lives in you. Why will you allow even the thought of defeat to come? Stand strong, stand firm, and believe God until he delivers you. But he will deliver you. Now, when you're in a ministry that is something like seven figures in budget and you got $25 in account, that's time that some people, <clears throat> including Jay Threadgill, I think, might panic a little bit. Hello. We have a certain, my wife and I have created this certain uh, action we take when we get like that. Maybe we're down three, four hundred bucks. Devil's just going, you're finished now, yada, yada, yada. You know what we do? We'll write the balance and send it to a missionary and say, shut up, devil. Shut up. Stand strong. Persevere. God will set you free. You were not created for defeat. You have the DNA of Christ's victory living and abiding within you. Yes, yeah, stuff happens. I can write books on the stuff, but at the end chapter of every book I write, I'll tell you about how God set us free. It always is. There's never not. He's never left us. The Bible says he'll never leave you or forsake you. It may seem like he's not there, but he's still there. And he loves you so much. You think he wants you to just be destroyed? Absolutely not. Everybody say amen. All right, let's go on. Water break. Verse 18. Well, let's go ahead and rehearse a little bit. God wants us to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of him, verse 18, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would know what is the hope of his calling. Stop. Every person under the sound of my voice has a call of God upon their lives. You may not be called to be pulpit preacher, and most of you can say, thank you. But at the same time, every person under the sound of my voice has a divine plan and purpose for your life. God use, wants to use you for his glory. And what he does is he brings us together individually into collective settings called local churches, and we add our talents and abilities each with another, and then we can create something and, 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 and bear fruit to something that is far greater than ourselves. That's why you're here. God doesn't do lone rangers. God ties us together in families. And sometimes families got little arguments. That's okay. Pray about it. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. And sometimes you may not agree with what the direction the pastor wants to go. God didn't give you a vote. All you can do is pray for the pastor. That's what he told Aaron and her. Aaron, I don't speak to you. I speak to Moses. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't speak to you, but he's not going to speak to you about the direction of the church. Hello. Getting good now, isn't it? Where am I? All right. That the, all right. Knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you would know what is the hope of your calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You see, you've already got an inheritance, and you've got to know what your inheritance is. You're getting ready to tell us. See, Christ already died. You receive an inheritance when someone dies, but not only did he die, he was raised from the dead. Not only was he raised from the dead, but he now sits at the right-hand side of the Father. 
and there's an inheritance involved. And if you understand the inheritance, it makes your prayers more strong and makes your prayers more powerful. It makes your prayers more atmosphere changing when you understand your inheritance. All right, let's look at it. Number one, he wants to have wisdom and knowledge. He wants us to understand our calling. He wants us to have inheritance. And he wants us, in verse 19, to what, uh, the, uh, let me get this right. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? According to his working of mighty power, which he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the world which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things, the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let me break it down. Number one, he wants you to understand, understand the inheritance. What is the inheritance? The exceedingly great power that belongs to those believe. Now, if you don't believe, you don't got the power. Here we are in that faith thing again. An exceeding greatness of power that belongs to those who believe. How many believers we got in the house? All right, we've got lots of believers. So this power that he's talking about is part of your inheritance. It's the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. The same power that he used to raise Christ Jesus from the dead belongs to us if we believe. Now, faith, again, is a process. You grow in this. Matter of fact, when I started this series in Haiti not long ago, this whole thing re-illuminated in my spirit, and I realized that God is talking to me in a different dimension than he did the last time I read it. There's a great power that belongs to you. The same resurrection power he used when he raised Jesus from the dead belongs to us if you believe. Faith, it's a faith thing. All right, let's keep going. The same power that he raised him from the dead and sat him at the right hand in heavenly places far above principality and power, might and dominion and every name that is named. And he put all things under his foot and gave him to be head over all things, the church, which is his body. You see, Jesus is the head. We are the body. Therefore, if everything's under Jesus' feet and we're the body of Christ, that means everything is under our feet. All principality and power is under our feet. All demonic influence is under our feet. That's position. That's a position of victory. That's a position of greatness. But that doesn't mean you won't have a battle. See, what we don't want is the battle. Guess what? If you're going to do anything for Jesus, you're going to have battle. If you're going to do anything now, if you just want to kind of, you see, when I get there, I want to see, I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want to hear it for you. But some of us, talking about the other churches, are going to hear, glad you made it. I mean, because if you're saved, you're going, but you may not get a well done when you get there. He might look at me, Threadgill, I had to take you out five years early because you was going to really mess up, and I just brought you home. Hello? I don't want to hear that. I want to hear, Jay, I want to see the smile in his eyes. I want to see a smile on his face. And you look at me and said, well done. You ran the race that I gave you. My good and faithful servant, enter into the kingdom of joy. <laughs> and so all things that are under his feet are under our feet. Let me talk a little more about position real quickly. I'm going to go to Ephesians 2. I had all this in Ephesians, uh, or, uh, never mind, verse 2, verse 4. Chapter 2, verse 4. I love this part. But God, 
I love that. But God. There's certain words I just love. But God. I always like, I circle those in my Bible. See, on electronic stuff, you can't circle nothing hardly. So you, God, I keep them both. You got to have circles, notes. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which, which he loved us. He loves you. Great love. Even when we were dead in sin. I was really dead in sin. I had no moral compass to my life. I was not raised in a church. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. The only thing I knew about God was it was a great preface for a curse word. And there's a lot of the story I don't even want to rehearse. But he loved me. I thought, when I first felt that love, I said, who can love me? I can't be loved. It's by grace we are saved. That scripture goes on to say, by grace we are saved. You know I got saved at least 20 times in the first month because I was scared he couldn't save me. Every time the preacher made an altar call, I was up there. They'd look at me and go, you already did this. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Who could? Who would? I mean, I did about everything you can imagine but murder somebody. Put it there. It was just a wrong life, and he redeemed me. He loved me. He loved you. And he set us on the rock. And by grace, we were saved. Let's go on. Then he said, and he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, you have to look at the grammar there. He's not going to raise us up. He has raised us up. He has raised us up, and we are seated together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Not physically. We're not seated there physically. I'm here preaching at you right now physically. But spiritually, I'm seated with Christ on the right hand of God. And my brothers and sisters, that's position of victory. Somebody shout victory you see you are seated your position is a place of victory it is not a place of defeat don't you ever let the devil lie to you and tell you you're defeated tell him to shut up he's the only one you can legally let tell where to go and not be in sin I tell him all the time go to hell devil you go up down to Haiti you'll start telling him too See, we got demons in Haiti. Actually, you got them here too. They just went to Texas University. That'll get a big offering, won't it? Oh, you could use any one of them, Harvard, Yale. They didn't go to Florida State. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yes, I am alumni. No, he raised us up. We are seated in heavenly places. We already there. You see, God, the original call upon humanity from God was to, to dominate, to, to have dominion. Circumstances are not to dom dominate us. We are to dominate the circumstances. Now, sometimes they don't move real easy. I get that. I got merit badges and all that. But if you'll stand, you're staying strong, and you begin to see yourself praying from a heavenly position. You're not praying up, now we're praying side by side. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about being prideful or arrogant with God, please understand that. But our spiritual position is right there at the right hand, in Christ, in Christ. We're not like, save us, we're like, let's destroy this. 
It's a whole different concept of prayer. Now, you still humbly come into his presence. You still submit to him, but there is a different dimension of where you're praying from. And everything's under our feet. So if it's under our feet, what can it do? We are the ones that give him the permission to do it because of either doubt or fear. And when you feel doubt or fear, you know what I do? I start praying in the Holy Ghost. You all still teach the Holy Ghost here, don't you? I start praying in the Holy Ghost because now I don't know how to pray. Listen, I'm just as fleshly as any fleshly person in here, but I'd really try hard to stay spiritual. And to do that, you've got to stay in prayer. Why do you think your pastor's teaching on prayer? He wants to see change in this nation. He wants to see change in this city. He wants to see change in this state. That's your responsibility. I'm not responsible for Texas. I'm responsible for Haiti. But to change anything is not through politics. It's not through marching. It's not through carrying banners. It's by prayer. And God will begin to change hearts. Democrats or Republicans are not my enemy. It's the demons that motivate each side. And the only way to arrest those demons is by prayer. Authoritative prayer. You see, there's two types of prayer, really, in my book. One prayer is communion with God, individual prayer, fellowship with God. And then the second I call corporate prayer, which is really a whole nother anointing because it's there in corporate collective prayer. What we do is we begin to take the microphone and we begin to decree and declare. We call it apostolic declarations. We begin to decree and declare the, the scripture and the word over our territories and over our cities and over our families. Hallelujah. I've been doing it for years. I used to walk into my children's room, and I, I, I call it prophesy, but what I was doing was apostolic declaring over their lives of who they would be and what they would be and where they would go with God and that there's destiny on their lives. If you've got children, go in their rooms while they're sleeping, begin to speak over them, declare over them, uh, release uh, uh, the, the presence of God, and atmospheres begin to change. You got one on drugs? I had one on drugs. He's not on drugs no more. You know why? Because I took authority over demons and devils of hell that were tormenting my son, and I cast him out. He's free, and he's serving God with me. Then I got grandkids now. Oh, my gosh. I mean, they're like a bonanza. I thought I loved my kids. I didn't even come close. <laughs> and I started declaring over them and decreeing over them and doing the same thing all over again, bless God. I'm going to declare their future. I want you to declare your future. Declare your children's future. Declare the future of your marriage. You got a husband messing up or a wife going nuts? Just start praying. God will change it. There's nothing too big for God. I got to keep going. And so Paul, he wrote all this, you know. So evidently he had a revelation. And you see this revelation expressed in the book of Acts, chapter 16. One of my most favorite trap, uh, uh, Bible verses, although I have very many Bible verses that are favorite. I have a ton of them. I mean, who can not love Goliath and, and David and Goliath? Who could not love Joseph? Who could not love these stories? I mean, but this is a good one. Chapter 16, verse 16. I'm trying to get close to where I'm almost going to close, so hang in there. Well, almost. That's what I said. You can only say in closing three times as a preacher, not be lying. If I start closing, I can only say it three times. Fourth time, I can still say it. I got to repent later. You ever notice that before? Some preachers? Not your pastor, of course. 
He, doesn't, he just doesn't close. No. No, he's very good at it. Verse 16, Acts 16, it says, Now it happened as we went to, oh, imagine that. They had the ha habit of going to a place of prayer. Now, I know your pastor is strategizing a, a corporate prayer meeting. It hadn't quite gelled totally, but it's going to. Trust me, it's going to. And when pastor gets a collective corporate prayer meeting, I don't care if it's a Sunday night, Wednesday night, Tuesday night, Monday night, or all the nights, you best be there. Don't give me you're too busy. Tell me you're too busy. Tell me that before God that you're too busy to pray. Let's see how good that flies. Let's see how many brownie points you're going to get. Hey, when we used to do it, when we were young couples, my kids were on pallets in the back of the church with coloring books as we were in the front of the church praying over the, what we had to pray over, praise God. That was when church was church. Back in the old days, we used to line up at the doors, and as soon as they opened the doors, we would run for the front or second row and throw Bibles down and make sure they were saved because I wanted the man of God to spit on me while I was preaching because in that spit there'd be some anointing. Now we just kind of come in. Well, we got an extra 20 minutes. They're still worshiping. Where's the fire? We're going to talk about that in the pastor's meeting. There's a new fire coming. No, here you go. There's a new fire. You might as well go ahead and get ready to be part of it. And I'm excited. God doesn't told me prophetically there's a new fire coming to the world, not just to one or two places. New fire. So it just as happened as they went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed of the spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. The girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. And Paul, greatly annoyed, just like Pastor Jay, turned and said to the spirit, now here's the thing I've told all of the other services. We get so many demons and Haiti, when they erupt in the middle of a service, I don't even got to deal with it. I don't even stop preaching. My ushers just go take them and get them set free. If you're worried about a devil, you need to, you got to grow some. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Come on. If you're worried about a devil, my God, got to put you in connect class. Dear Lord Jesus, demons manifesting is sport to me. It's like going deer hunting. Get that one over there. Shoot it down. It is what it is. And so Paul, greatly annoyed, turned to the spirit and commanded to come out in the name of Jesus. And he came out that very hour. But there, when her master saw that the hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged him into the marketplace to the authorities. And there in that marketplace, the authorities stripped them naked and beat them bloody. Now, I've been through a lot of tribulation. Now, we really have. I mean, I make fun of it. There's some stuff we've been through that's been serious. Your pastor was down there when my wife had a heart attack in the middle of a woman's conference. I was speaking at a missions conference, and I lost a son. I had to fly back to Haiti and bring him home. But we've been on, we understand problems. I ain't never been taken naked and beaten bloody and put in no prison. Sometimes we cry about our problems, and that's a problem. I'm really glad they didn't naked me because I got belly and stuff, you know. If I was, like, rock solid, it'd be okay, you know. Had, like, a six-pack of that, you know, and all that stuff. I don't have a six-pack. I got a keg, pony keg. 
You know, you got to keep the story a little light, get you laughing, because it's been serious. Say, Pavre, that means is that not true? Huh? Well, Paul got annoyed. He cast them out. They beat him. Beat him. Bloody. Naked. Put him inside a prison. They're ticked off. And there they are. Okay? But it's good. here's good, the good news. In verse 25. But at midnight... You see, midnight's not only an hour. Midnight is your darkest moment in the trial. Now, there may be some of you at your darkest moment in this trial, right, that you're, you have right now, but that's a good place to be. It's not a bad place to be. It's a good place to be. It's the most difficult moment of the whole attack that's against you. Sometimes we think we're at our difficult moment till we wake up tomorrow. Oh, oh that was a piece of cake yesterday. Now what do I do? Here's what you do. At midnight... Paul and Silas began to pray and sing worship hymns. You see, when you come to midnight, see, it's nice when midnight comes at Sunday morning and you got a whole praise team. But midnight may not come Sunday morning. It may be Thursday night when you're all by yourself. Now what you going to do? I'll tell you what you do. What I do, I'll tell you what I do. I got a little bow speaker thing and I put on my worship and I begin to worship God. But if you don't got a little bow speaker thing, you can just worship them all by yourself. He don't mind. You just throw up your, if it's midnight, you just need to throw, if the doctor just told you, you got stage three cancer, lift up your hands and praise him, praise God. Thank you for the victory thing, hallelujah. How bad could it be? That's pretty bad. If the doctor's diagnosed, you know doctors are with limited in knowledge. Thank you, I thank God for them. One day they may save my life. Well, God will. But at the same time, whatever they say, just praise the Lord. At midnight, they began to worship and sing in hymns, and all the prisoners could hear them. And then comes the next best God word, suddenly. There's some of you need a suddenly in here. I love suddenlies. Suddenly is when you've been hanging in there, hanging in there, hanging in there, wondering where he's at, hanging in there, hanging in there, believing God, rocking and praying and God, and walking and pacing and, and praising and praising, and all of a sudden, suddenly! Somebody holler out, Suddenly! Suddenly, God moves. It's like, glad that's over, and then the next one comes. Suddenly, there was an earthquake, and God on their worship and on their prayer. See, Paul had an understanding. He had a revelation. He wrote Ephesians 1. Now, Ephesians 1 is not yet written, but at the same time, he had it in him. And he said, let's praise him. Let's worship him. Let's glorify him. And then suddenly, God moved, and God began to shake the building, and the chains were broken, and the doors were open. All of a sudden, the jailer went, oh, my God. And he took a sword, and he was going to kill himself. And Paul cried out, don't take your life. And he, the Bible says he, says, he ran in there to him and said, and bowed his knee and said, what must I do to be saved? And he's not just talking salvation. Salvation, I think that was the primary point. But he also knows when he walks out that door and the prisoner's not there, he's a dead man. What must I do to be saved? Do you know theologians today believe it's the jailer that became the pastor of the church of Philippi? That was all, all that happened in the perfect will of God. Paul and Silas were sent there to do apostolic stuff. All hell broke loose. And then they got delivered and a church was birthed. Don't ever tell me this is happening to me. I must not be in the will of God. You need to check. You need to get a confirmation. But just because stuff's happening, usually when stuff's happening, that just tells me I'm in the perfect will of God. See, God's raising up warriors. God's raising up prayer warriors. 
God's raising up and going to release a fresh fire in the house. He's going to release a fresh fire in your spirit. He's going to release a fresh fire in Texarkana. He's going to release a fresh fire in East Texas. He's going to release a fresh fire in Haiti. He's going to release fresh fire. But we got to go ahead and seek him for it. Believe God for it. Hallelujah. So when you have the revelation of your position in Christ, when you're under persecution, trials, and tribulation, it's time for you to just lift your voice. Begin to praise him. Begin to pray to him. Release the power of God that is already given to you through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every time you pray with a faith, you're releasing and changing atmosphere around you. You're releasing the power of God and bringing darkness down just because you're praying. And prisoners will get set free. Not just you and your family, but all around you. Neighborhoods, cities will get set free because there's a people that have answered the call to worship and pray. And that's you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Now, before we leave, he's going to talk. We're going to show the video, and you're going to give lots of money. Amen, amen. Now, wait a minute, but I'm gonna, before all that, i got to pray. Yeah, but I want to tell them what they can do first, and then you're going to pray. Uh, well, pray, pray that first prayer. No. We'll let you pray second prayer. Thank you, Jesus. You can do the English prayer now, and then you can do the Haiti prayer all now. Right. No, I always, when I finish ministry, either, and I'll be around if you need personal prayer or some, but I'm really tired, but I'll still stay. But uh, I've done, three, man, Pastor John worked me hard. I'm going to send him a bill. But, you know, but I like to seal a message in your heart. And if this has spoken to you even somewhat, and you grasped what I was trying to express to you through the Spirit, and you want that thing sealed down in your spirit, you want to begin to go to a new dimension and walk there, just close your eyes and lift your hand. Let me pray over you. Father, I thank you for this great assembly. I thank you for these wonderful people. Lord, I thank you for the blessing they are to the body of Christ. Lord, I have spoken what you have put in my hands to speak, put in my heart to give. And God, there are great prayer warriors that you will lift up from this house that will release your fresh fire upon this land. So Lord, I pray that you would seal this message down in their spirit and that you will cultivate it in their lives and that you will bring it forth and bring forth fruit for your glory. I pray that you bless them, God as they endeavor to follow after you. I pray this in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ and all the faithful said, I love you a bunch. I love your pastors more. God bless you all. Thank you for allowing Amen. me to be here. Come on, give him a hand clap. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now why don't you take those same hands and pull some money out and write some checks. Now we want to bless the man of God. That's just what you do. And I've looked back in some of my notes from three years ago when I was doing a message, I had his name in it. And just how when I give to certain missionaries and people, God just has a way to bring it back just immediately. I mean, just to kind of show you that that's good soil. But anyhow, just pray about what you should give, and you can either use our debits. Uh, I'm going to lay a Bible down here if you wanted to bring it up and, and lay it in the Bible. There will be ushers at the back of the church. And we want to bless the man of God. But I want to ask a question before we leave. Are you 100% sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? Because don't leave here not knowing. As a matter of fact, sometimes you didn't even realize it because the Bible says the enemy has blinders over your eyes. 
And sometimes you just got to, and we've been praying to start this service this morning that the eye, your eyes would be open. And so I'm praying today, again, are you 100% sure if you died, you go to heaven? And if you're not, you can get that right today. I want you to meet me over at that cross. We're going to be over there, myself or Pastor Travis, and we'll pray with you. And it starts with a prayer. you got to invite Christ into your life. you got to invite him, and he's not going to force his way in. And when you do, I'm telling you, light will come on. And you'll begin to sense a peace you never had. And you'll begin to realize that plan and purpose he has for your life. Amen? Video, yes or no? Okay. Go ahead and prepare your offering. Let's watch this little video of Haiti just to show you some of the things they're doing with all the children and different things, and then we'll close the service out.
Let's give God some praise. Isn't that powerful that we get to be a part of all that we saw up there? Matter of fact, that kind of big fat can over there that says Haiti on it, when you drop dollars in there, whatever the case may be, it goes to feed children in Haiti. You can get little ones out in the foyer where you put your change in and turn it in, and man, what a, what a great cause to send that to. You know, as we close, let's stand to our feet. But one of the greatest needs uh, a few weeks ago for Haiti and Jay Threadgill and their ministry was a generator that went out that cost 35000 to replace because they don't have electricity down there. We were able to get 5000 toward the new one. You saw the picture up there. The greatest need right now are vehicles. I mean, one of them's like a 90-something, and it just his wife won't even ride in it. So be praying about that. That's the one thing we can all do collectively is pray and then do a little bit to help. Amen? Altar team's coming forward right now. If you want prayer for anything before you leave, if you're not right with God, <clears throat> Meet me over at that cross over there. All right, let's sing once through, and then we'll dismiss together. God bless. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain. Over the next few moments, our prayer team is going to stay down front. If you need prayer for anything, we'd love to pray for you. But if that's not you, pray that you'd have a blessed week. And don't forget, we have a new Connect class this Wednesday night. But anyway, we pray that you have an awesome week. Love you guys.